Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's the Bama Online Podcast. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BOL, joined by site publisher Tim Watts. And it's a very special edition of the Bama Online Podcast. It's the holiday extravaganza edition of the Bama Online Podcast. And Tim, uh, I was thinking maybe we could do some caroling for the listeners. Uh, What do you think? Uh, is, Is caroling, by the way, still a thing? When's the last time or have you ever had Speaking of caroling, have you ever had a group of carolers stop by the the Watts home and serenade the family this time of year? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the old neighborhood now is a little bit more accessible. For some reason, we have a really long driveway. I actually had an extra child to take the uh, trash can to and from the, the main house. Our driveway is pretty long, goes up a slight hill. So it's it's a little bit. We get less trick-or-treaters for that same reason, I'm pretty sure. But at the old house, I think I remember seeing people caroling. We were coming or going. Um, but no, it's in every movie I've seen, I think, somebody's Christmas caroling. Um, but no, I do not remember somebody successfully getting on my front yard and having me on the porch and singing to me. <laughs> Christmas karaoke is basically what it is. And I'll say this. Here's where I think – Caroling and other wholesome acts uh, during the holiday season have probably gone by the board is uh, social media, man. I think people more than ever are afraid of being shamed, going viral, you know, things like Christmas caroling. I, I think it's a shame. Yeah, uh, Tim, I yeah. think I agree. I think you have to you have to kind of approach your caroling like you do your uh, karaoke. Maybe you know, get a little drunk, get a little buzz on. Don't forget <laughs> I mean, I've never ever karaoke even resembling sober. It starts with yeah. a, I'm not, I'm not, maybe duet. Move over, I'm taking over. It's my solo. It looked like I was doing my own show for a while when I got enough, uh, when I got heated up enough. So I think you have to do that with Carolyn. But you're right. I mean, it's hard to. I see some of the videos. I mean, people. I don't know why. Apparently, people are either walking around with their phone out, taping people walking down Walmart aisle, or, you know, a lot of this is probably, yeah. a little bit, you know, a little bit of a setup too. So I think it's a nice blend. Yeah. You know, if journey and lover boy had done more Christmas music, maybe we still have more caroling, you know, maybe uh, it seemed to, they seem to be joined at the hip when you talk about karaoke and caroling and you're right. You're right about pre-gaming before caroling, and that's where the eggnog should come in. Because other than this time of year, why the hell would anybody drink eggnog? You know what I'm saying? If eggnog's so great, Tim, why don't people drink it year-round? You know? I'm not an eggnogger. I do not believe eggnog. I don't like it. Um, You're not team eggnog. No, I'm absolutely anti-eggnog, for sure. 
I'm not a fan. No matter never, how much rum or anything, whiskey, bourbon you put in it, still not a fan, huh? And, you know, I'm not a huge drinker to begin with, but that definitely, you mix that in there, it sort of gives me a queasy feeling. So, no, not eggnog. <laughs> you know, I didn't eat carrot cake till I was like well into my 30s, simply because it was called yeah. carrot cake. I couldn't imagine it was good, and everybody was arguing with me. And even pumpkin pie was that way. I don't know if it's just a mental challenge for me, a mental block, but um, I think eggnog just got off on the on the wrong foot with me. You know, I always invented yeah. that scene in Rocky where he was right, waking up every day eating those raw eggs. For some reason, mm-hmm. that, you mentioned eggnog. That's the visual I get. Well, even as much as they enjoy it in Christmas Vacation, I still don't like it. You know, because you got Clark just ladling it straight out of the the reindeer ear cups to drink it you know after he gets that bonus check that uh jelly of the month club check cousin eddie what a scene wearing that fake turtleneck just got the turtleneck no sleeves underneath his really thin white speaking speaking of cousin eddie let's talk florida alabama and dan mullen and his team against the alabama crimson tide Saturday night over in Atlanta, Georgia. Have you caught your breath yet, Tim, after that one at Mercedes-Benz Stadium? The game was sort of similar to what I expected. I think Florida probably got a touchdown. I didn't really expect. The offense was kind of sluggish in that third quarter, which I also didn't expect. It looked like they was trying to milk it. I really just, when I went back and watched it, I just the opportunities Alabama had to flip the game with the Pat Sertain set up, you know, the nation's best cornerback set up. Looked like a possible pick. He loses the ball. Wide receiver cuts inside and scores. Uh, the fumble down on the one with Tony, I still think that was a fumble, and Pat would have picked it up, scooped and scored. You know what's funny? I thought they they ruled that on plays like that, you let it go. And, and yeah. you go back and view it. And if they did that, I think Pat, one, would have recovered it. Wasn't it Pat or was it Malachi? Down there at the I window. thought they did review that. They didn't review that? No, they I, I thought. They did review it, but they ruled it, blew it dead to begin with. So not only did okay. it look dead and, and mm-hmm. say he was down, but also the guy that picked it up, I don't know if it's Pat or Malachi, I thought it was Pat, but he was going to pick it up and probably scoop and score. So they yeah. took away yeah. the down. So even if they'd have reviewed it and gave it to Alabama, they're getting the ball on the one-yard line instead of a touchdown. I thought the rule in that situation, at least in the NFL, was that on a play that close, you let it play out. Mm-hmm. instead of blowing it dead and then you go back and review it so what i'm saying is i don't think if they had let that if they had ruled it a uh if they had ruled it a fumble i think they'd have had trouble overturning it i sort of think right. that's why I left it as a dead ball because they had ruled it um we dead. saw that in the auburn arkansas game yeah, with absolutely. the backward spike by so look, they discussed that then you're supposed to let it play out go back and review because you take away a touchdown you know, you take away the, the team that recovers it. If you blow it dead, then they say, what did they say in the Arkansas game? There was no clear possession because you blew it dead. Well, they, they, well, they blew it dead. I mean, there, there, there can't be a clear it. recovery if you if you blow the there, – there is no play after that. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, Alabama defensively in the game, though, you think about that play, you think about the offsides on Josh Job when they forced the fumble – from Kyle Trask, and then they had a they had another fumble recovery opportunity in the third quarter inside the uh, inside the Florida fifteen that they weren't able to come up with, or it didn't seem like they came up with. They didn't review that one either. Let's talk about Josh Joe. 
I have never seen anybody about to get a pass interference before the snap. <laughs> I've never seen anybody <laughs> over there. Touch- was he not touching that guy? Well, you know, look, Josh was. Here's the way I look at that. You know, Josh was maybe uh, too ready, which I'll take over just being asleep. But it was. I mean, it was a. It was a rough. It was a rough fourth quarter of penalties for Josh. But he he still had three pass breakups. And look, he did. I thought he made some plays. And I'll be honest. Sertan had a couple. These these guys were good. These guys from Florida were really really good. We tried to stress that point throughout the week last week. In Josh's defense, I don't think he was the only one off sides on that play either. That Probably ball, not, because like, the ball was on the inch yard line. I'm almost you know? the ball was in the end zone. <laughs> they I mean, how could you not line that, up offside that was when the, the ball is basically on the goal line? I'm not blaming Joe. To me, it's more laughable because the ball, I mean, it looked like it was almost crossing the goal. Everybody yeah. was offsides. Josh looked like he was touching the him. center. The center was <laughs> offsides for Florida. And what a defensive play to go in there, lay the hit, get the fumble. So that's still one of the best plays I've ever seen. But I agree with you. You know, there's people discussing like Florida's skill players are elite. Make yeah. no about it. They're elite. And Dan Mullen's play calling is elite. They he's one of the best play callers. They had a great game. Uh, plan. I think they probably planned ahead for Alabama against LSU. You know, a lot of people looked at that LSU game and and uh, you know, you know, gave them a little bit of a thought they were a little bit less of a better team than they were. But I mean, that guy came in, made plays. Kyle Pitts played. Uh, Tony was a handful. I mean, they, they just made plays. And I, I look disagree. at the true look at the true freshman you had matched up on Kyle Pitts. And Kadarius okay. Tony too. I mean, you got Brian Branch and Malachi Moore, who are already really good players, going to be All American type players. But think about those matchups. What you're asking those guys to do well, in man, a lot of those. And you know, Branch had one position. I had one by play. He played really well across the middle. Played a couple of them. Yeah. Well, he tripped. It looked like he had a pick coming up. They also had well, the, a little the bit jump of- ball to Pitts in the end zone. Yeah, in the in the in the fourth quarter. I mean, there's nothing you can do about that when you're six foot. You got to get, get Scotty Pippen out there to defend that. You, know, you got to have somebody that guy's size with jumping ability. Kyle Pitts is a special player. Um, they also protected the wide receivers. There's a play down the middle where I thought Branch had good coverage. They called pass interference. So that's a tough Florida team. Yeah, offensively in the passing game across the board, there isn't another offense other than Alabama's that's going to give you the type of fits that Florida's can, because it's not just Kyle Pitts. It's not just Kadarius Tony. There is Trayvon Grimes. There is Jacob Copeland. The backs are a problem out of the backfield. So kind of knew going in that the challenges were going to be uh, really across the board. Now coming out of that game, you saw so much from Najee Harris, hell of a game for Najee uh, with five total touchdowns. Devonte did Devonte things. And not only as a receiver, uh, but had the recovery of the fumble after the big hit by John Mechie, recovered the onside kick, still covering punts and returning punts uh, on special teams as well. And then the performance by Mac Jones. So we come out of this, Tim, and Alabama looks to be in a great spot to take possession of the third Heisman Trophy in program history. I guess my question for you is, which one of these guys do you think ends up in possession of the Heisman Trophy this time around? 
I really think it's Smitty, and I've advocated for him, as you know, several weeks now. I thought he's the – I think he's the best player in the country, the, uh, the best overall player. Um, to me, it's such a tough battle. Matt Jones has been fantastic in the most years, absolutely deserves it. Uh, Najee Harris, I mean, he has not gotten nearly the love that he should have. I mean, the guy – you know, the thing about Najee's catching – and I was wrong. Last year I said I didn't think Najee could really improve, uh, improve his draft stock. If he hasn't improved his draft stock from a third-round pick, I'd be shocked. The guy's a sixth offensive lineman. He catches balls, and he doesn't just catch balls. Mac throws BBs at him. Mm-hmm. Throw, on some of those passes, he is like he's like throwing bullets at him. I mean, good hands, runs, and nobody. No, I've never seen a running back actually run harder than Najee. Maybe as hard, but never as hard. So, me, I think Smitty's the best player. Mac Jones is deserving. Najee certainly, with his statistics, are up there. It's, you know, to me, Alabama's got the best wide receiver running back in the country, for sure. And then Mac's right there with, uh, as far as the season goes, with Trevor Lawrence and Kyle Trask, who's also had great years. You know, I can't fault those. Kyle Trask is a really good football player. Great story. A guy that didn't even start in high school and was rated super low by the system, um, you know, because he didn't start. Ended up the offer at Florida and somehow starting over much highly recruited guys. So I think Smitty's going to win it. Um, I hope he does, to be honest. I'd just like to see – I think I read it's been 23 years since a wide receiver won it, and that's just absurd to me. 91, Desmond Howard. Yeah, that's I mean. absurd to me that a wide receiver, which is some of the most talented – athletes in the world has been that long without it's become such a quarterback award but it looks like it's definitely going to be mac or uh looks like very good percentage is going to be mac or smitty so either way it's going to be an alabama guy i think if jalen waddle doesn't get hurt is he the guy at this point i know it's impossible but based on how he was consistently producing not only as a receiver but as a return guy i think that's helped Smitty a little bit too I mean he's been good enough as a receiver don't get me wrong but taking over some of those duties in the punt return against Arkansas for a touchdown another punt return just this past Saturday night of 20 yards I think that all-purpose aspect has helped Smitty and it's hard not to think Tim that if Waddle doesn't get hurt he may be more than likely is the guy we're talking about right now in this in this from this perspective yeah, I think, you know, I think Waddle would definitely get discussion. I, I think Mac, though, would probably get the focus. Because yeah. He would have the same, he would actually, you know, I don't know if he could have more yards. He's got a lot of yards. But he'd have had the same statistics. They'd have just been divided out a little bit over Waddle. I think with Waddle, um, he's got that exciting brand. See, I, I'm sort of partial to Devon, to, to Smitty, because same reason I was with Ruggs. I love the guys that are tough. I love mm-hmm. the guys that are competitive. Devonta Smith was going in the second round of that draft last year, if not the first. I've talked to numerous NFL guys. It was a deep wide receiver draft, but he was rated right in there with the Jalen Yeagers, the the Jefferson kid from LSU. He was rated right in that group, and they all went in the 20s. So he could have went in the first round, possibly second. This is a guy that came back. And he's the main one. I've talked to people close to him that had the checklist. He wanted to beat Auburn. He wanted to beat LSU. He wanted to win the SEC. He wanted to win a national championship. So this is a guy that came back with some of those seniors 
those guys that could have went pro. So to me, the competitive advantage of playing on special teams, you got you had the same thing with rugs. They run down the field and they tackle you. There's not many wide receivers that are going to do that. And he blocks. And you add the fact he is a string being of a kid. And to me, that toughness just stands out, the competitive nature. I said this before the season. Same thing I said about Henry Ruggs the year before when nobody had him wide receiver one in the draft. I don't know if Devonta's going wide receiver one, but if you take somebody over Devonta, you're, it's going to be hard for a Jamar Chase who set out this year, to, for me, to be on the same level playing field when it comes down to competition. Because Smitty could have went last year and decided to come back and play as a senior. You know, I think I think with Chase, you're going to like the measurables. But I think in terms of versatility, I'm more convinced there's more you can do with Devontae, too. You can work him in the slot. You can work him at the X. You know what I mean? And and I'm sure Jamar can do that, too. But I, I know and return punts, as we've seen, return kicks, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I thought. And that's sort of what I think uh, put Henry, you know, number one over Jerry Judy and CC, uh, CD Lamb. So I think Smitty, yeah. yeah, Smitty's a guy actually for Smitty, the further down he goes is probably the better. Usually if you're drafting, you don't have that quarterback yet. So, um, of course, Rose fell down there with David Carr. Uh, was it David or Derek, Derek Carr? You know, the Dolphins, they have Houston's first-round pick. Absolutely. And where Houston's looking like they may finish, that could be a prime spot for Devontae Smith to perhaps reunite with Tua down in Miami. And if not, it's possible it could be uh, Jalen Waddle time, too. Yeah, that's true. Very, very true. Now we Go ahead. ahead. Texans, Texans will have somewhere between the fourth and seventh pick. Still yeah. to be determined. So probably need to be more down towards seven for Devontae to go there. You know, I don't I don't know if he's going to be a top five pick, but I could see him in the bottom half of the 10, uh, down around 10, couldn't you? Oh, absolutely, because you're talking about teams. You start looking at these teams like the Carolina Panthers. They definitely need a receiver. The Texans need a receiver. The Eagles need all the receivers. The Giants need <laughs> the 49ers need the receivers only one in that group that really doesn't need a receiver would be the Atlanta Falcons so Mm -hmm. you look at that group and also in the top three I think the Bengals have to be tempted to look at a wide receiver as well with their skilled players and so you could see Jamar Chase and I still think they go offensive line but you could see Jamar Chase go early reunite him with Burrow they were a heck of a team and then that the earlier Chase goes if he goes first that means Smitty and Waddle will fall in right behind him so yeah, once they start to go, they're going. He's had a great year. He's he's had a great year. He deserves the accolades. How about the uh, the four in the college football playoff that we got? Uh, were you among those who felt like Texas A and M was more deserving of of a spot than say Notre Dame and or Ohio State in terms of what you expected, Tim? How it would shake out, and maybe what you thought it should be? How did it line up Sunday? You know, I, I'm torn. I think Ohio State's a really talented team. I think they're much better than they played against Northwestern. I think they're going to give Clemson trouble. I might be wrong. I think they've got a ton of athletes, and Justin Fields is going to create some havoc for them. I, I feel bad because I really don't think they deserve to be in from the standpoint of they only played six games. But then again, it's not the players or the coaches' decision. The big – 10 they should change their name to little 10 or you know big one and nine or whatever those 
those guys, they mismanaged this situation worse than anybody I've ever. I mean, I can't even imagine. I don't know if they made a right decision. I don't I don't know if the Big Ten from screaming, who's coming with me? We're bailing. OK, we're back and we're doing it in the you know, we're doing it in the spring and end up doing it in the fall. And then they give them a schedule where they have no breaks. And then they say, well, you got to play six games. They change the rules. They've mismanaged it so bad. But I do think Ohio State is one of the foremost, most talented teams. I think the Aggies probably would have got my vote. You know, I think the Aggies probably would would have got my fourth vote if I had one because they did play 10 SEC games. They did lose to Alabama. They did beat Florida. I think Florida losing to LSU probably hurt their case a little bit. Um, so I could see Texas A&M being in there. Notre Dame probably deserved that consideration. So for me, it was a really tough decision because I think you got three good teams and then you got a lot of question marks. I don't believe it should have been an 18 playoff or anything like that, but um, I can see the Aggies being mad about it, you know, but again, again, you know, people are forgetting that wasn't, they weren't very competitive in that game against Alabama. That's the one thing people are going back and they're saying, Hey, we're not the same team we were. Well, neither is Alabama. Will Anderson didn't have a sack at that point in the season. And now he's a sack master. So Timmy Smith wasn't playing. Malachi was still you know, still a young buck cutting his teeth, and you had Brian Branch who wasn't even in yet. So, um, Jimbo's Jimbo's response to that, of course, is that Jalen Waddle did play when A and M saw Alabama. You know I, what I mean? I'm not sure Jalen was the difference in that game, though. You know? No, Jalen certainly no. helped, but you know, but you know, the, the, this this is the this is the argument, as you know. If you're if you're trying to present your case, you, you understand Jimbo. Throwing, no. throwing everything out there that might possibly stick. <laughs> no, I don't blame him. I don't blame him. I saw a, I saw a case where the Aggies could have been in it. I think their case would have been better had they beat Florida, and Florida's only losses were to Texas A&M. I just think yep. the LA loss for Florida was a colossal you know, change. It, it was a big domino to fall because, I mean, there were 24-point favorites. and that, that, hurt, that hurt the SEC big time. <laughs> Absolutely did. I mean, they were 24 point killer. Their LSU's middle linebacker doesn't get on the bus. Uh, Derek Stingley doesn't play. They lose a guy to injury in the secondary early in the game. They lose another guy to targeting, I believe. Cardell Flott. Yeah. Yeah. One of their best. So they're out there literally going against LSU's B team defense in a lot of ways. It was JV. Yeah. Yeah. JV LSU. Well, I'm older. I'm B team for me. We didn't even. It wasn't even JV. It might have been ninth grade. No, and team anymore and my kids, max max johnson making his first start at quarterback i mean and he's gonna be great don't get me wrong i love me some max johnson I yeah, mean, i'm I all about max johnson I said that last year in the cycle there's a little bit different thing to him everybody like you know the debate was him or tj finley tj finley is a big kid a big strong-armed kid but i mean you know as well as i do that guy that moves around in the pocket that's shifty this guy comes from an nfl pet pedigree with his dad brad and johnson move, and moves with purpose he yeah. doesn't move because there's he's a, anxious. He moves with purpose. Yeah, there's already. a rudeness to him. Yeah. Um, hey, and that kid, I watched his uh <laughs> his junior highlight tape, or one of the ones I saw, they I could tell they were so frustrated. There's probably like 10 drop passes on the highlight tape. <laughs> you know, usually they don't put them all there, but they're like, you know what? Screw it. That's <laughs> not his fault. <laughs> this kid dropped it. I'm putting it right here on the highlight tape for everybody to see it. That was a good pass. That Tough time. love. He yeah. 
lot of drop passes. So I think that hurt him. But, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty excited about the matchup. I mean, when you look at it, stand back and look at it, you know, you're seeing Alabama, Notre Dame, two traditional powers, big-name schools. You're seeing Clemson and Ohio State, definitely two big-name schools. And I got Dabo trash-talking and Ryan, <laughs> Ryan Day's trash-talking. So I'm kind of – you know, you're not going to get that from Nick Saban and Kelly. So Alabama and Notre Dame are going to do this professional. Um, they're going to go straight down the, the cliches like Nuke LaRue, every sports cliche is coming out. But I think Dabo, you know, Ryan Day might be, you know, seeing who can eat the most ribs before this bowl game. I think there's going to be arm wrestle. We might get them arm wrestling. Yeah. Yes. Thumb wrestling. Dan Mullen's going to wish he's there, but they, uh, I think this is going to be pretty good. I think it's going to be pretty good and pretty heated. I think it's a good matchup for Alabama. Um, uh, I think Notre Dame is a good team, but I don't think, you know, going back to Florida, a lot of people are debating this. Notre Dame, Ohio State, nobody has the skilled players. I'm not sure Alabama has barely has the skilled players to match Florida. No. Look, this match is Alabama. It's matchups. Florida had that good. I mean, when you get isolated one-on-one, I'll tell you some of the best plays of the of the night was uh, Dylan Moses getting past interferences when he was he was yeah. out there on the island on a wheel route. Grab him, Dylan. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's like it's like after people were freaking out after the Ole Miss game, and the thing I kept going back to was matchups change every week. And so just because it's Georgia as a top five team or a top ten team at the time that was coming in here, the matchups weren't going to be the same as what Ole Miss gave you. And they weren't going to be as problematic as what Ole Miss gave you. And I think that's the case with Notre Dame. Notre Dame, you said it, solid team, good team. The way they play uh, gives them a chance against pretty much every team in the country. But you've got to be dynamic and you've got to be explosive on offense if you're going to beat this Alabama team. And when you look at Notre Dame, that's, that's not who the Irish are. You know, you know, they're 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 not explosive enough, I don't think. When you look at this Alabama Florida game, the to me the biggest difference and when you I mean again, when you step back, I know the emotions of a game from a fan standpoint and, and all Alabama gave up like four hundred and fifty yards to Florida. That's a pretty good night. Yeah. Yards wise, if they had got half I mean, how many fumbles did they cause? Do we know five or six? It was five. And they only recovered two. And they had one negated by penalty. So if Alabama yeah. lands just one of those, one more yeah. fumble, and they should have definitely had a couple of those things. That ball was was doing crazy things, and you know that ball's hard to pick up when it's, especially when you're running full speed and it's bouncing. I was watching the Saints Chiefs game yesterday, and they had a ball in the end zone, and uh, the kid from Florida's long long-haired linebacker, Anzalone. Anzalone, Alex Anzalone. All he had to do is gently pick it up like an Easter egg at an Easter egg hunt, and he goes in there hot, belly flops on the ball, and then does a gator roll and slings it out of the back of the end zone. (laughs) I mean, it's not like the guy doesn't know how to recover a fumble, but when that ball's loose and you're a defensive guy, I think you you get pretty excited. I mean, how many times do you see a guy – with a, a defensive guy trying to scoop and score where he doesn't even get the he doesn't even pick up the ball and the offensive lineman falls on it. So Alabama, I think that game could have been a little different, that late touchdown. No one's really discussed the fact he went for two down fourteen. Yeah, that was and burned a timeout to do it, which yeah, proved I'm not costly. Sure, I'm not sure what he was thinking. I don't know, dude. I'll be honest. If you're down I mean, 14, it was it, it worked out to get the two, but it didn't because you burned the timeout. 
you know what I mean? Like it, yeah. if, if I, if I can save the time out and just kick the extra point, that's a no brainer because I, I'm going to need that time out coming up here. If I don't get this onside kick. Well, I get, I'm not even sure. I mean, if I, if, if I'm down 14 to anybody with five minutes to go and I get two touchdowns, I'm not trying to win it. I got no. all the momentum going into that overtime. I'm trying to stay there. So yeah. I know Dan Mullen likes to, you know, Dan Mullen loves to run out on that field. One day he's going to run out to the wrong <laughs> I've never seen a coach. Oh, uh, so- he reminds me of Andy Kaufman in the wrestling years so that, much. Stand up. Yeah, that dude's always about to fight somebody. Then, whoa, somebody pulls him back. <laughs> I'm going out there. I mean, he's a perfect heel wrestling manager. He really is. He wants some until he's going to get some, and then he's going to get under the ring, you know, or something. Fiery, <laughs> I don't remember him running out on the field. This is like three times this year. Uh, uh, he's ran out on that field. You know? <laughs> I would love. Oh to goodness! Field and him and Coach O meet at the midfield uh, on the mascot. I'd oh no! I no. love to see how that turned out. O so. wrestles. O wrestles. Games. Dude, how about the LA about Did you watch that? Uh, I got to see a little bit of it, but oh, uh, that was that was everything. That was everything you wanted LSU. Ole Miss to be Dude, on a yeah. day when nothing else mattered other than Florida and Alabama. That's the game it, you wanted. It was fantastic. If you yeah. Were, what's something you'd love to see in the LSU Ole Miss game? I'd say I'd love to see them shooting fire extinguishers on the side. <laughs> that has to create some kind of violation for the coders. Firing off that stuff. It, it's you know Louisiana though. I mean that's no big deal. Nobody bats an eye to. No, I told my LSU friends they were like, "Look at yeah. how to behave." And I said, "You know how the rest of us feel when y'all do that crap." And you're also pissed. Y'all don't have fire extinguishers. It's a whole. It's a. It's its own country. Its own republic. You know. I mean, it's Louisiana, Tim. I mean yeah. that stuff in a fire extinguisher puts out fires. I don't feel like it should be in people's eyes. That's just me. Yeah. Yeah, that could be a problem. Keyshawn Butte. Remember, we talked about him last year. Oh, man. Pete Golding finished second there. Um, Alabama loved that kid. He's got some special in him, you know, 300 yards. I mean, he's something else, man. Yeah, he is. You know, he's. he's He went for 100 against Alabama, 100 against Florida, I think, and then over 300 against Ole Miss. Oh, yeah. He's going to be a problem. I'm looking forward. You know, we can switch into that signing day. you know, the, the flips Alabama had real quick where you looked at uh, Carl Scott flip JoJo Earl, the wide receiver that was committed to LSU. JoJo Earl's similar to Keyshawn Butte um, mm-hmm. in that class. You know, I love the Alabama wide receivers they had committed the three from Florida. I bragged about them all year, talked about how good they were. But JoJo Earl's probably my favorite wide receiver um, in this class. You know, that was. Uh, no, no recency bias in that. That's just that's the way you see it, because we talk about that all the time. You know, the gift you get on Christmas, sometimes you value more than the gifts you got maybe Absolutely. back in, in around Thanksgiving. You know what I'm saying? But Absolutely. that's just an that's a 10,000 foot view for for you on uh, on Jojo Earl. Well, I liked him early in the process and he was kind of it's kind of interesting. I know Alabama liked him. They went on him early. He committed to LSU and hadn't visited. I think he ended up visiting. But, um, you know, signing day was crazy. You know, Carl Scott also helped flip Jaden Roberts. You know, Carl Scott, Scott flips a lot of people. It's kind of his thing. Last year, Drew Sanders. And we haven't even talked about Drew's big run in the SEC championship game. 
I don't remember him playing such prime minutes as he did against Florida. You know, yeah, thought, Ben Davis and uh, Drew got some run at outside linebacker in that game Saturday night. That was just because of the number of plays they had to play, get some fresh perspective. Well, look. it was so much pass rush, yeah. You know, yeah. and and you're trying to stay fresh, I would think. Um, I don't think Florida ran a ton of plays, but but uh, it 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 was a it was a night in which the outside linebackers in general were a big part of the plan. You know, defensive line not so much, but those outside those edge guys they had to they had to play most of the snaps Saturday night. A couple of them. I think hey, I was, uh, go ahead. Let's head to a quick break, Tim. And when we come back. You mentioned Jaden Roberts. I want to get your thoughts on uh, what's upcoming for the big offensive lineman from the Houston area. Uh, coaching carousel around the Southeastern Conference. We'll touch on that with Tim. He has a lot of good intel there as well. And, of course, we'll have our mailbag from the BOL Roundtable. We'll do all that and more when the Bama Online Podcast returns right after this. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast back with more of the bama online podcast tim watts site publisher for us there at bamaonline.com joining me travis ryer senior analyst for the website, hey, Tim, as promised before the break, man, you start to look around the Southeastern Conference and the dominoes that have fallen, and we tend to look mostly at the head coaching spots, which makes perfect sense. I mean, you've seen Derek Mason out at Vanderbilt. Uh, he has been replaced by Clark Lee, the defensive coordinator for Notre Dame. Will Muschamp out at South Carolina. Um, uh, Shane Beamer in there. Uh, son of Frank, a former Oklahoma assistant, uh, changes at Auburn. Gus Malzahn out. That coaching search seems to be taking different twists and turns, it seems like, by the hour. And just on the assistant level, Tim, I want to get into this with you, too, because there's changes at LSU that are underway. Um, but what about Auburn? Has this surprised you that you go from Gus Malzahn, who you paid $21 to go away, and you would think there was a pretty much a, a plan in place to the next guy, but it doesn't seem as if that's been the case, Tim. 
Uh, I'm an outsider looking in at this, obviously, but I've, I've got some pretty good sources talking, you know, going into this search, you know, with some of the guys, the candidates that have been there. From what I've gathered is Auburn had a plan. You know, it's almost like that old saying, everybody's got a plan to get punched in the face. You know? <laughs> Auburn had a plan and either the, you know, somebody over at Auburn punched the plan in the face. And I think the quickest thing they wanted to do and I think they wanted to let Gus Malzahn go and then just hire Kevin Steele. Yeah, that would have been a natural transition. And if you look at the timing, you do this the Sunday before National Signing Day on Wednesday. So I don't think you could have waited till the next week when the season was officially over the next Sunday, signed your class and then fired the coach if you wanted to. So I think if you make the move before signing day, I think you're actually doing it as an encouragement to the kids of, you know, who your coach is going to be. Walk down that list from there, Kevin Steele, who hasn't even got an interview unless it's getting interviewed today. So he went from, in my opinion, the leading candidate. And our Auburn guys are pretty plugged in over there. Our 24-7 Auburn guys are pretty plugged in. I heard it was Kevin Steele's job to lose. We went from getting the job to not even being interviewed. I think there's a lot of inner turmoil fighting. I don't think it has much to do with Kevin Steele. But I think a group wants to do it one way and another group wants to do it another way. And you've seen them, you know, they've started with seven, eight candidates and you've seen those guys fall off, you know, less than right all the way down to Sark. Would, Sark didn't interview. Uh, Tony Elliott didn't interview. Billy Napier interviewed. Got an order. These are all Zoom interviews. So it's not like, you know, in the old days you had to fly in and all that. This stuff could be done in a few hours. Billy Napier got an offer, turned down the job. Bill Clark, I think is pretty close to getting an offer. I'm not sure he's he's done yet. Some say he pulled his name out. Some say, you know, he's still he's on he's on record, Tim is saying he's staying at UAB at this point. So but you yeah. still think if, if the real strong push comes from Auburn, he that door could be slightly ajar? I think Auburn's at the phase of not actually asking the girl to the dance. They're just <laughs> like if I ask you, would you go? You right. Know, that phase instead of saying, oh, I never ask her. Well, you you know, I think they're at the phase now saying, because I think the thing with a guy like Billy Napier, I said this about South Carolina. I said it about Auburn. Billy Napier doesn't have to rush to a job. In fact, mm-hmm. if you're him, you want to take your time. You want to be similar to Kirby Smart. You want to find a job you're a thousand percent comfortable with who gives you everything you need to win. Support staff nutritionists, uh, you know, tutors. Uh, and especially because you have firsthand knowledge of the 10,000-pound gorilla across the state, right? I mean, you so worked at absolutely, Alabama. Absolutely. So if you're Billy Napier, you don't rush to South Carolina to, to recruit against uh, Dan Mullen, Kirby Smart, Jeremy Pruitt, just in your own division, not even, members, not even to mention flipping over here and having to battle – Alabama and in-state Clemson in South Carolina. So you don't want to walk into that monster unless they give you everything they want. Now, Auburn and South Carolina are similar in the fact that they are paying double-digit million dollars to get rid of people. You know, it's like a bad divorce. You know, they're they're giving half their estate to get rid of Will Muschamp and Gus Malzahn. So they're limited, I think, in somewhat in what they can spend. So – um, Billy Napier passing on jobs like that doesn't you know make sense to me. And next year, let's be honest, you could have um, Billy Napier's at a school where he's going to win. My guess is he's probably going to talk some of those UL kids into coming back for that free year next year. A good team. Um, his but you know his championship against Coastal Carolina was canceled. I think he had one loss. 
So he's going to be a good team. And you're at UL. Remember how Western Kentucky basketball, everybody won there and every coach got a leap to a new job, a bigger job? Well, I think UL's that now where you've got such a talent base. Billy's going to win there. So there's no rush. And next year you could have Texas could open. You could have LSU could open. I mean, there's numerous schools just in his vicinity that could open up. So there's no rush there. But, you know, right now I don't know what Auburn's going to do. I mean, I think Venables is on the table a little bit. Everyone's talking about a mystery candidate, and it might be at the point where you just go for broke for Auburn and you find a guy and you offer him so much money and complete power and you let him come in. I think Auburn has similar problems to what Alabama did before Saban, where Saban had to come in on his conditions. I think Auburn's going to have to release you know, some of that control some of the people around the program have. And, I mean, you don't want to walk in. And also there's the fact I think they're trying to make the new coach keep certain assistants so that they don't have to pay them to leave. You know, they're already on the bill for 21, but I think some of those assistants, I know Kevin Steele's got a guaranteed contract and stuff like that. So it's really, it's really, you know, it could end up, Auburn could still save the day. They could still land their guy. They could go out and, you know, grab a Hail Mary. But at this point it is, they're across the 50. They're going to have to check one up and hope, Randy Moss comes out of retirement, it looks like. Yeah, I think it could be just totally random how this thing finishes up. I mean, something, and I, and I have no intel on this, but something like a Luke Fickle from Cincinnati out of just left field, you know what I mean? Something crazy, although I would think his interest is more in the Midwest and the Big Ten. Just just using that as is. is to, to kind of talk about what you're saying, just a lightning bolt, like higher at this point. Yes. And you know, as well as I do is like that when you're the eighth call and seven other people have said, no, if you're the eighth call, you got to think what, what the hell is happening here? Yeah. Why are they down here with the eighth person? It, 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 at that point, you've got to interview Auburn, right? As much as Auburn interviews you. You, know, you, you got to be the one asking more questions than maybe Auburn's asking in that process. Yeah, I mean, there's still, you know, Venables is still being mentioned for this job. I know he has one son at Clemson. Now, I want to say maybe, I'm not sure. I mean, the whole Clemson staff apparently had children at the same year because I think all <laughs> of them, you know, I grew up with Dad. Well, I know his son's on the team. Venables. I think they make up the entire kickoff team. They're I like think the 12th they're man the at A&M. Coaches. Yeah. And there's some yeah. tough kids out there. So I think Venables has a son. Maybe Herb two. Street, all of them. Yeah. Herb Street's got twins. Yeah, everybody, they just, oh, I'm ready to send mine out there. Let's go, guys. <laughs> they, uh, so I think Venables, I mean, it's hard going to be hard. And again, if you're Venables, you know, the one thing I said is like people always, you know, you can look at like, say, Corey Raymond at, 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 at LSU. He's never really strived to be a defensive coordinator never really strive to be a head coach. It's almost like being the backup quarterback in the NFL for 14 years. You know, Corey Raymond has sat comfortably at LSU through three or four coaching staffs or whatever it's been, and he's re- recruited and coached number one in first, second, third round defensive back picks. Just the corners, not the safety. And he's made a hefty living just doing his job. I think the same can be said for like a Venables. There's mm-hmm. a lot of pressure. I've talked to a lot of coaches over the years who don't want that pressure of being coordinated. Because who do they yell at? They yell at yeah. yell at Pete. They never yell at Jeff Banks. They never yell at Sal Sinceri. You know, you go from the coordinators to the head coach. And in some cases, you just skip the head coach and blame all the coordinators. So Yeah, and, and I here's the thing. 
if you have like an associate head coach title to go along with that position title, you're probably making in north of a half million dollars a year for two or three years guaranteed as a position guy. So the money is so good, even at the positional level and with the multi-year contracts, Tim, I hear you on the motivation to take on that additional load, you know? Yeah, I think, you know, when you look at like, you know, that's what I said about Steve Sarkeesian. When Auburn came in, and for some reason, the rhetoric was, oh, Steve Sarkeesian's recruiting Auburn. I don't, I didn't buy that to begin with. Why? Yeah. I mean, the guy, here's what the guy's doing. He's making $2.5 million a year. He is out there playing uh, uh, Nintendo. What was that game with Bo Jackson where he ran around in a circle? Like Tecmo Bowl or something? He's out there techno bowling, circle, turn. Uh-huh. He's doing all this stuff. He's got Bryce Young in the wings. He's got a great recruiting class. He's got young talent all over the place. 2.5, probably getting a bump. He's not in a rush. He's making more than some of the other head coaches across the country uh, to begin with. So he's not going to be in a rush to take just anything. So also when you look at like with Sark, because I'm just trying to think like Sark, I'm thinking I'm going from this offense how do I incorporate what Auburn has into my offense? And they got a good question. I think Bo Nix is an underappreciated quarterback. I think under the right guy, he'd do fine, but they don't have the offensive line. They don't have the wide receivers. They don't no. have you know, the skill players. That. So it's a Systematically, good, it's a total so overall. Has, no, it's going to take three years, at best case scenario, two full recruiting classes to mm-hmm. fix that. And what did he just watch Wednesday? He watched Auburn slip through – same thing as South Carolina. They just slipped through the, you know, the the signing period and, you know, you know, the class, you know, I think Auburn's in the 40s, but, you know, I, so I didn't think it was that cut and dried. I think there's a chance Auburn could circle back to Kevin Steele with all said and done, to be honest with you. You talk about the assistant level, though, um, and the movement that we see because of the money uh, and the 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 multi-year deals that you see at even that level now. What are you anticipating at the assistant level just for, say, the SEC? Because we see Bo Pelini out at LSU. Scott Lanahan, passing game coordinator, successor to Joe Brady at LSU, out, it appears. Multiple assistants, in addition to those two guys at LSU, expected to be a part of an overhaul under Ed Ogeron. Uh, we know there's new jobs, new head jobs that have been filled at South Carolina, Vanderbilt, Auburn going to be in that mix. How far reaching does this go? And of course, does it ultimately, potentially at least, impact Alabama? Or if it impacts Alabama, does it have to involve maybe a coordinator going to a head coach level or a positional guy going to a coordinator level? Give us your thoughts on that, Tim. Yeah, I mean, you look around LSU, I think they had three coaches leave yesterday. I've heard it's possibly as many as five. LSU mm-hmm. had one of the most insane. I mean, you know, it's the irony is before the season, Coach O wrote a book. I think it was Bruce Feldman called Flip the Script. The irony <laughs> is they can write part two of that son of a gun right now because they flipped it back. It's been one of the most crazy years for LSU from that national championship to where they are right now has just been insane. And they, hey, they finished five and five. Which Beat Florida and Ole Miss. Victor. Nobody had that three weeks ago. Dude, you know, it, uh, to me, they were staring at three and seven in the face. They were three and five. Alabama just beat them down. They're looking at Florida and Ole Miss coming in with Elaine Kiffin that has nothing to lose. 
and they won them both. So, you know, hats off to their team, their players, because they are nothing. I don't even know how many players came back from last year's team that was on the field versus Ole Miss. They did, did a good job. They're obviously going to have some coaching turnover. Uh, Bo Pelini left, I think, in the middle of the third quarter. I think that's <laughs> good. What a good, What a good deal for Bo Pelini, by the way. Kidding. I mean, nobody nobody was in the market for Bo Pelini. And and LSU gave him over two million for uh, one year, basically, and he got a buyout settlement on top of that. He went to the temp agency and ended up CEO. Yeah, you know, yeah. Fortune five hundred. <laughs> uh, and you know what? I don't. You know, everybody and I and I get it. Everybody blame. I mean, if you think Bo Pelini had the talent to really coach, no, defense, no. that's not an LSU defense. They had some guys. They had. You know, they have talented guys. Stingley, who, who definitely hit the sophomore slump. They had uh, B.J. Ojolari, who's a fantastic player. They had some guys, but that's not the LSU. I mean, Alabama just carved them up. Had Saban been ruthless, that whole don't take your foot off the gas, they would have they would have beat LSU a lot worse. Um, so I, don't, I can't really blame Bo Pelini, you know, from a talent standpoint. Although when you looked at that Mississippi State game, you got a really bad feeling because Bo's back there one-on-one, you know, press covering when he could have simply dropped to his own, which everybody else did the rest of the year and shut down Mississippi State. You didn't have to be on that line in there, you know, in their jock checking them and all that stuff. So I'm not sure what happened there. But she's going to have some turnovers with Alabama. Alabama's been pretty fortunate with no coaching turnover. But again, you're looking at a team that has uh, the number one recruiting class in the nation. You know, which is a huge deal. And Alabama has the number one, number two, and number three ranked recruiters in the country for 24-7 sports in Huff, Charles Huff, Carl Scott, and Jeff Banks. So those are going to be guys you're definitely looking at possibility of maybe a Carl Scott getting looks at defensive coordinator. Um, you know, one, one, one little thing I was watching, I thought it was possible, and this was complete speculation on my end, I thought it was possible that Billy Napier, if he took – Auburn, that Pete Golding made sense at UL as the fill-in. Um, I know his name from people around there would have been mentioned, so that was a, a domino that could have, you know, fell. But you're speculating, like, Jeremy Pruitt's going to be fired and who's going to be fired and and all that stuff. And nobody knows. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because you don't know. I mean, the Tennessee, the one thing that's been crazy to me is that fan bases are so toxic and so entitled sometimes on social media they think they get a damn vote. Well, hey, Tennessee fan no. base hijacked Greg Schiano. I stand corrected. They, they, Tennessee they, literally stopped voted. the steal. You just saw stop the steal at Auburn on social media. Yeah, you I know, mean it, it's 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 real, Tim. These days, no, it, it's, it's real. It's yeah. It's, Used to be fax campaigns. Remember those? Yes, but I mean now it's Twitter. Greg, Greg Schiano, Tennessee. Has Greg Shiano, who's a hell of a coach, who is yeah. a hell of a coach. He went, what, three and whatever at Rutgers. Rutgers shouldn't have won a game. I don't think they won a game last year. He's competitive in every game. He's a hell of a coach. I don't know how he'd have been a fit at Knoxville, but I know he's a hell of a football coach. This guy's on his way there, and they're out there painting rocks. You know, and I got Clay, you know, Clay <laughs> Travis out here going to, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's that whole Hijacked thing. it. So Absolutely. Somehow this generation has stole our song. We're not gonna take it. Yeah. How they get to the point that they want to fire Pruitt? Hey, Auburn fans, Tennessee fans, nobody's getting in line to hire you, Freeze, just yet. 
No, Everybody's I guess not. He wants Hugh Freeze, by the way, who's lived. He's a great offensive play caller. He is. But let's not forget he won two games against Alabama. That's all everybody remembers. I remember the guys never lost less than three games. He beat two of the best Alabama teams ever and didn't win the West. I think Alabama fans, as much as anything, remember Q Freeze losing to Arkansas in 2015, which opened the door for that Alabama Absolutely. team to so win a national championship. Everybody looks at Liberty like, look what he's doing with Liberty. Yeah, well, he's also got the Auburn commitment, who was a, who's a really good football player going up in the draft. So everybody wants that sexy, let's run all this offense guy, and they're going to run off Pruitt, they're going to run off Gus. And I think that played a factor with this. Just, I mean, to me, Auburn had a coach that I'm not sure what else they wanted. I, he did recruit at a high level. But he made the most of his guys. Every three years, he beat Alabama. Who else can say that? I mean, Let me ask like, you this, though. Do you think, if not this next cycle, the one after this, Hugh Freeze will be back in the SEC as a head coach? You know, I don't know. I mean, when you look, I think he is. I think, I think by 2022 at the latest, Hugh Freeze is back. In the SEC. No, there's a lot of, I mean, you're are the power five. If we're talking like a really good basis for a movie, we got burner phone. <laughs> I know we do, Tim. Yeah. Got, I mean, everything that was mentioned, I'll never forget. I was sitting, we were in Boston with the family and uh, <laughs> on a vacation. And I was sitting and a lady had came to us and she said, oh my God. All your children say, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, thank you, and all that stuff. She said, I'd never hear that here. She said, the rudest little shits in this state are those <laughs> kids in Boston. And those kids are kind of grown. And she's like, come hey, on, ma. Yeah. Come on, ma. Yeah, you know, turkey pot pie. You know, so she was complimenting us on our kids saying just the basic southern things. She was explaining she was living in Wisconsin. She was from the south, and she never heard it in Boston anymore. So uh-huh. in the middle of that, I get the Hugh Freeze blow-up text. You know the moment where all your friends sure. and everybody in the industry start texting you. And it was almost like with the Mike Price deal, I was riding to a tournament in Houston. I'm like, hey, Mike Price got caught with a prostitute. And I was like, yeah, whatever. You know, I'm driving. And then, you know, by the time I hit Houston, all hell had broke loose. So that was happening here, um, you know, with uh, with that, in Boston, I'm getting these texts of just the most absurd allegations. So I've never really forgot everything. So he's definitely going to have to get a, a clear slate. Um, but I don't know. I mean, could you put Hugh Freeze and Bruce Pearl in the current situation on the same campus? And I, I guess you couldn't. But, it, it, you know, Pearl's had two. You know, he's been in, in a couple of show calls related situations now. And look, winning cures everything. You know what fixes the Bruce Pearl situation among those who have trepidation about his past? Going to the final four. That's what fixes all of that. And so, uh, yeah, we'll see with you. Hey, um, Tim, I wanted to ask you, you mentioned Jaden Roberts on the recruiting front earlier on the podcast. Uh, What are we expecting out of the big man from Houston, Texas? It sounds like maybe later in the week, maybe even Christmas, which brings back memories, by the way, of Chris Keyes Keyes. from from many years ago that you and I were involved with uh, on his flip from LSU to Alabama, like in 2004 or something. I don't know, but one day I'm going to go back and I'm going to put a calendar together and see if somebody's committed on every day of the year. (laughs) <laughs> you know, like January 1st through December 31st. I think I'll be pretty close at this stage. Yeah, Jaden Roberts, 
big monster kid. You know, Damian George, last year Alabama signed Damian George from North Shore High School in Texas, dominant program. And Damian George is a mountain of a man. I mean, he is a you see him on the field when Damian walks by, you see on the message board, if he flashes the screen, everybody's like, who's 74, who's 74, who's 74? Big as he is, Jaden Roberts is smaller than him, but it's not like a big monster in the shadow. He's a huge kid. He's six foot five, 340, 350 pounds, a big interior offensive lineman, committed to Auburn early on, decided to wait. Now he's going to have his announcement on Christmas. Carl Scott's trying to flip him. Um, Talented guy. I mean, it's the one thing. If you look on the offensive line, you've got you got Brockermeyer, you got Latham. They're you know they're possible first round draft picks. Certainly in the discussion if their career pans out in the NFL. You got Terrence Ferguson, which nobody talks about. To me, who could be a tackle, yeah. and be a hell of an interior offensive lineman. You got the other Brockermeyer, James, who's going to be a center basically down the middle, center only. So this guy Jaden comes in as this monster. You know, if you look. To me, I think you compare him a little bit to Deontay Brown. Um, you know, Deontay Brown probably could be in a little bit better shape than he is, but he's a hell of a player even as he is now. I mean, the guy's a road grader. He's a mauler. I think Jaden Roberts is going to be in that mold. Um, obviously, the uncertainty with Auburn. Alabama really benefited from the turmoil in the SEC. I mean, they flipped Keanu Code, a hell of a rush end from South Florida. South and South Surrey did a great job there. Um, who, who was previously committed to LSU. They also flipped JoJo Earl. We talked about earlier committed to LSU. Now Jaden Robertson on the verge of flipping this guy. Obviously the uncertainty at Auburn helped out. And um, you look, you knew Alabama wanted a fifth offensive lineman. And it was funny because Alabama had the top, basically there's four elite offensive tackles in this class ranked by position. And it was the two Alabama has, Tristan Lee and Amarius Mills. Well, Alabama was involved with all four of them. And probably in the short list of every one of them landed to. So I think once the dust settled and they looked, they're like, what else would we like to add? Maybe an interior guy. Jaden Roberts fits that mold. And when you look, even with the wide receiver, you know, going back to that, you look at the wide receiver position, they got Ja'Cory Brooks, they got uh, Leary from Florida, and they got Aggie Hall. Well, Hall and Brooks are two six-foot-three guys out there on the edge. Big guys are going to be fine. They're going to remind you of like a Seth Williams, a, a, a George Pickens, except I think they're going to be faster and a little bit more shiftier. But they're those big receivers. Then you get in the slot, you got Larry, and you get JoJo Earl, who's the perfect complement to the three they've got. You basically have a four wide receiver set with, with, with them. When you look at the offensive line, you basically have an offensive line that you could just slim Ferguson and, and uh, Roberts in the guard and let the other ones fall. And then, you know, you look back, you got a quarterback, you got a tight end, Robbie Oots, who has not been discussed nearly enough. Didn't go on a running back. And we discussed this last year. We said it over and over and over. The Alabama staff did not think this class was very good running back wise. And they took three last year. And you see it pay off because there's really only a couple of guys. I mean, Kamar Wheaton, and he's a little bit different guy. I mean, he's pretty quiet. It's hard to get a read on him. And the there's a kid, uh, Trayvon Henderson's committed to Ohio State. Those are the only two elite-type backs. And if you look at what Alabama got, I mean, you have to be impressed with Jace McClellan, right? Sure. Be excited about that guy. And Roy Dell Williams has shown, shown some natural ability. Yeah, and you hope. You know, it's tough at this point. But Trace Anders, if, if we see him get back to 
where he was at, unfortunately, before the car accident and the injury he sustained in November. Uh, hopefully, he's still got a chance at some point in the future, too. Um, and Keelan Robinson, you know, there's talk. Yeah, about he returns. I like Keelan Robinson. Uh, he's a, you know what? Anybody that can go from the one to the end zone, 99 yards quick, as fast as him, is a threat, especially if he can catch it out of the backfield. He had some moments last year. Sure. Uh, I mean, this is all subject. Plays, plays bigger than he is, too. He does. I mean, he's fearless, fearless between the tackles for a guy that size. It's all subject to change. They could definitely, something could change. But I've talked to people close to him that feel that he basically was going to use this year as a redshirt year. He had some legitimate COVID questions. And when he had those COVID questions, I think he decided to, to you know, you know, not play this year, obviously. So everyone tells me close to him that he's expected back again. That could change. You know how that goes. But sure. uh, he is a guy that could come in and add some more depth to that running back room. Let's get into the mailbag from the roundtable there at BamaOnline.com. We always like to do that. Bama1055 asked him. Any chance that with a full spring, Jalen Milrow, the quarterback in the 2021 cycle, pushes Bryce Young for some type of playing time next year? Do we know for sure how this is going to work, by the way, Tim, with the potential for early enrollees, especially with the situation being what it is right now with COVID? No, I really don't. You know, I was thinking that they might have some guys, you know, in years past, you've seen some guys practicing for the bowl games. I think it was, uh, was it two years ago or was it last year that Jaquez Robinson? The, yep. Yeah, the, he was there. It seems like there was a couple more that came in for that. I haven't heard of any this year. I've been checking. So maybe this is just a little bit different. I'm not sure how mid-year is going to work, but I will tell you, if this guy's here and yes, and the one thing about it is Jalen's going to get a chance to go through spring, which Bryce never did. I always felt that Bryce's gap between Mac would have been a lot shorter had he had the chance. I mean, he missed a lot of, that's a lot. Spring's a lot. That's like a mini sure. season. You know, you're sure. packing a lot in there. So uh, not that, not that Bryce would have beat out Mac. Mac was fantastic this year. Hats off to him. But I thought Bryce could have closed that gap a little bit. Well, I think Jalen's going to have that same um, opportunity with, uh, with Bryce if he does get to play in the spring. The one thing that's interesting about Jalen Jalen and Bryce aren't a lot alike from an athletic standpoint. Both are good athletes, but Bryce is an arm guy, only runs when he has to, only runs with necessity. You almost consider him like Pat Mahomes can run, but doesn't run very often. There's packages you could put in Jalen from Jalen Milrow, just like mm-hmm. Florida does similar, similar with Emory Jones. This kid's fast. I mean, you watch his film, he's not just fast, he's quick, he's elusive, loose hips, he can fly. So this is a guy you could put in. He's got a big arm. So it's not like putting in Taysom Hill and, you know, Taysom's out there with the Saints closing his eyes throwing. Jalen is a quarterback. <laughs> He's as fast as crap. So there's packages you could put in. And I'm curious to see if they don't work that in next year. Yeah, that would be interesting to watch. And, of course, we're not, right. we're, we're not making the assumption that Mac Jones is an automatic to leave um, after this year. It, it would make sense if he did. But uh, – that could be very interesting from that perspective too, uh, how that quarterback room shakes out. Oh yeah, that'll be yeah. You have all that, all those guys in that room that you know something would have to break. Uh, in my opinion, I do think you know you know I can't speak for Mac, but thinking like if I was Mac or Mac was my son, I probably capitalize on this year. And I sort of write. You know the thing about it is I look at it. You look at this unit, and there's one unit here with Alabama, and it goes to me it goes all the way back to. 
Irv Smith, Jacobs, Tua, Judy, you know, the linebacker, the, the wide receivers, the guys we see now. Mac Jones is in that little circle. So when Smitty rides out and Najee rides out, it almost makes sense for Mac to go with him, you know, like one mass exodus. And then you have that young shift come in where you'd have Bryce, the young freshman, the guys that are already on campus at wide receiver. You know, you got Paul little, Tyson still around. Yeah. Yeah. Paul Tyson still around. You got that little circle, those guys that come in, coming in together, almost like Mac and Tua's group came in. So it would make sense, uh, be almost poetic to see him leave. But, um, I mean, a 105.5. I mean, the guy's got his masters. How impressive is that? Everything's going yeah. on in his life. This dude's got his, you know, He's got well, if you're his dad, if you're his dad, you didn't write that check to Bowles for nothing, you know, yeah. not just football. I mean, you go to Bowles yeah, in Jacksonville, you, you mean, better Mac, get the academic end of it. Mac, regardless of what happens the rest of the year, is going to live a very full college life. <laughs> he is a guy. I mean, I'll, I'll never quit talking about this guy was sandwiched between Jalen Hurts, a starter in the NFL, Tua, a starter in the NFL, and Bryce Young, the number one player in the country and this guy came in and had as good a season as any of them could ever have it he's yep. had his season now is better than any season for two or Jalen. there's no doubts and it'll be hard for bryce to live up to that so mac jones has had a hell of a you know he's like uh he's like frank the tank in college but on a more successful level he's had a hell of a run Bama 105.5 also asks, he goes Brewster's Millions kind of on us. I don't know if anyone, uh-huh. if you haven't seen the old movie with the uh-huh. late, great Richard Pryor and John Candy, Watch by it. the way. It's great. Brewster's Millions, a great flick from the 80s. Uh, probably a lot of uh, powder on that set. I got to think back then, too. Uh, Bama 105.5, if you had $10 million in three and a half hours to live, what would you spend it on, he asked him. If I had ten million, yeah, if we had ten million each in three and a half hours, I'll tell you what I would do. I would do a living wake in the center field bleachers at Wrigley Field on a June afternoon. I would jet service everyone I wanted into Midway there in Chicago. I'd put everybody up in one of the Michigan Avenue hotels. We would party bus it to the north side in Wrigley Field, and we would let loose. Preferably a double header in the center field bleachers at Wrigley Field. That would cover those three and a half hours. I wouldn't spend all the 10 on that. I would leave, you know, a, a, a decent amount to the, those same folks post, uh, post life. But what about you, Tim? There's my three and a half hours with 10 mil. What are you going to do? I don't know. Yeah. That's a, that's I'm a going stump- living wake for me. That's- that's a that's a that's a that would be a tough one for me. I mean, definitely be surrounded by family. Um, definitely somewhere we've never been, somewhere we always wanted to go. Whether it be not something dumb like Paris, there'd be a beach involved, there'd be alcohol involved, there'd be a short yeah. involved. Shit, I might end up at Destin at Pompano Joe's or something. I'm a simple. I'm a very simple man. For Alabama, maybe yeah. I get every friend I've got, and in the middle, assuming this is the summer, I go for Christmas caroling. Okay, there we go. It comes full circle. We would summer Christmas carol just because everybody hasn't had a chance to experience it. (laughs) I like it. Hey, uh, as we get out of here, Makarov, 42, he asked about outside of Sark being looked at for head coaching positions. Do you think there will be any coaching turnover after the season? We hit on that earlier, Makarov. uh, Still probably a little too early to tell. 
I mean, we did hear Charles Huff, by the way, mentioned in relation to some openings at Vanderbilt in South Alabama at the head coach level as well. But uh, I guess you just got to see how so many of these other situations shake out. Yeah, I think when you look at the coaching changes, it's safe. You know, like people can always predict there'll be coaching changes at Alabama because they're almost always are, especially in the past. I don't know. I think these guys deserve a right, you know, definitely deserve the, the, the opportunity. Carl Scott's the one that jumps out to me a little bit, you know, probably the first one on, on my mind, a really good recruiter, a defensive guy. He's been a defensive coordinator. You know, Billy Napier, he was Billy Napier's defensive coordinator at uh, – UL when Nick Saban hired him. So he's a guy that could get some looks. Pete probably could get some small head coaching looks, uh, you know, the G5 type. And then you look at Sark, who, you know, if I'm a guy, you know, if I'm an NFL guy, if I'm a West Coast guy, I'm, I'm looking, you know, I'm looking at Sark, you know, you know, he's going to be on my short list. And it also depends. This is a terrible year to be a hot coaching candidate in some ways because every school with an opening has to pay their last coach $20 million for their cut yeah. in the year. And then you turn around on top of that, and how many schools can afford to let a coach go because of that? I mean, every school, the buyout phase, um, I think Tennessee, like everybody was saying Tennessee was going to fire Pruitt. I never saw any proof of that. And I mean, of course, it could still happen, but I think his buyout's $12 million or something. I mean, Kevin Steele is a defensive coordinator at Auburn. He's got guaranteed money. Bo Pelini's riding out with guaranteed money, so this isn't the year, you know, with 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 a with a lack of attendance and the people missing games and everything that's going on. All the money you lost that would have been coming in, this isn't the year necessarily you want to fire a coach. And also, you wouldn't think so, but we're seeing it. I mean, we've already we're seeing three openings in the SEC already, and I'm with you going into this season. I wouldn't have anticipated it, but. There, there must be something in these uh, in, in these fun, auxiliary funds or something for these athletic departments. But I do I think I think your point about how it impacts the next guy after you write those checks. I think that's very real to consider. Yes, I mean it affects what guys he can sure. So I think there's been emotional decisions made with Will Muschamp. I mean they fired him in the middle of the year. You could sort of see this coming to begin with 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 Muschamp. Auburn's always been on the verge. It seems like a fire and Gus Malzahn. Am I wrong? I mean, no, it, it, well, Gus would beat Alabama just enough Absolutely. to beat them back. And, they, and the fan base are a, a faction of it, influential enough, got tired of that. You know, they got they didn't like the idea of maybe he beats Alabama again next year, but we're still sitting there at nine and four when it's all said and done. Oh, that's and you know that one year that stands out to me for Gus Malzahn, who I think is a pretty good coach, honestly. And uh, I just never thought they – I didn't think they were – I thought Gus Malzahn was a good coach. I didn't think they recruited well enough. You know, you no. look at Ian Jackson. This is a – you want the classic story? Ian Jackson is the classic story to me is why Auburn hasn't been as successful as they probably could. They got Ian Jackson. He's in Montgomery area. He's at Prattville. That area's got a ton of young talent coming up. Ian Jackson's mother was a Tigerette. Wow. <laughs> so the recruits. And they're late to the dance getting this kid. Now, this kid decided he's going to Alabama. They just assumed Alabama wasn't going to take him, but Alabama did take him. They try to come in late. This kid holds firm, you know, a kid of convictions, kind of, you know, probably a little irritated, like, why is Alabama here before you are? Right. And that just sort of sums it up. They think coach well, but I don't think they recruited well enough. But the season I always remember with Gus was Gus is fired. 
He beats Alabama and Auburn back to back in crazy, crazy fashion. Georgia and Alabama, yeah. And then they're like, Gus, extension. And then he lost to Georgia and Central Florida, and they wanted him fired again. That's too Mm -hmm. much of an emotional roller coaster uh, for me. Well, speaking of the roller coaster, this one has come to an end. Always a lot of fun on the Bama Online Podcast. Hey, Tim, if we don't catch up before, happy holidays. Merry Christmas to you and yours, and certainly to everyone out there who joins us here on the podcast. And, of course, right there at BamaOnline.com. Hang out with us, as always, at the Roundtable, the premium message board of choice for Alabama fans everywhere. Maybe some, uh, maybe some caroling around the Watts home here in the next few days. You never know, right, Tim? <laughs> hey, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to everybody. Y'all stay safe and enjoy. It's been a crazy year. Um, I still can't get over it. One day I want to document exactly how this year went. It's been absolutely insane. Um, and, and you know, has a chance to end fairly well for everybody. So not just sports related, but um, I hope everybody gets their Christmas wishes or their Hanukkah wishes or whatever they believe in. I hope everybody gets those wishes and enjoys it. Absolutely. Safe and joyous season for everyone out there for tim watch travis schreier thanking you once again for joining us here on the bama online podcast if you haven't already how about a subscription to the bama online podcast anywhere you do your podcasting you're going to find us a rating and a review would be greatly appreciated as well until next time for tim watch travis schreier the bama online podcast we'll join you again real soon Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.